It's not how much of the Bible we get into, it's how much of the Bible gets into us. Pastor Ray Bentley. It's very tempting for all human beings to want more knowledge and more information, but that doesn't necessarily bring transformation. There must come, Lord, I wanna see, let, let me hear, let me feel what you are saying to me personally. Come humbly. Jesus places a great deal of importance to hearing the word of the Lord. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We live in the information age. The availability of information right at our fingertips is overwhelming. Our phone can tell us what song is playing in the elevator. Our laptop can tell us the current temperature in Timbuktu. But today, Pastor Ray helps us look beyond the data to the divine. Let's listen as he begins. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. And we're going to start off talking about how Jesus creates for us a new family. Verse 20 says, Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. So a revival has started, a renewal has taken place, multitudes are pressing in upon Jesus. It is, as they say, out of control. And in verse 21, but when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Now, go forward with me to verse 31, because this picks up that same theme. We'll go back and fill in the middle verses. But in verse 31, it says, then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother." So I love this. What I put here in your notes is that Jesus' family tries an intervention. So I'm imagining there were some of his brothers, some real close uh, friends and family from his hometown in Nazareth, and they can't even get into where Jesus is because they got there late and there's a crowd outside and there's a, there's a press inside. So somebody says, we'll get the message. So imagine somebody come, Jesus, your, your mom and, and your, some of your brothers and some other close family have traveled 30 miles from Nazareth. They're here to see you and they're really worried. They need you to come out and talk to them. What does Jesus do? He stays where he is, inside, teaching, sharing, ministering, healing, going about the business of his father in heaven. Now. Let me say at this point that Jesus was not being rude uh, to his family when he didn't go out to them. He knew that their motives were right. They were concerned for him. They cared for him, and he understood that, but their purpose was wrong. And in fact, had he stopped ministering in the house and gone out to them where they were, it would have played right into the enemy's hands 
who were also there with Jesus, watching him and observing him and looking for a way to trap him. And so Jesus then uses this crisis where now he is not getting up, he's not running outside to talk to mom and explain to his brothers and whatever family and friends were there outside. He uses this crisis to teach a very powerful spiritual lesson. He tells us that his true family is made up of those who do the will of God in heaven. That's my true family. Now, you know, Mary was a believer, uh, but about his own brothers, where were they in this? Uh, what did they really think about Jesus? What, what understanding did they have of him? I think they just saw him as an earthly brother that was very religious and very good. The Lord is not telling us to abandon our families. He's not telling us by this story to ignore our own loved ones. But here's what he is saying. He is saying that the will of God in heaven is even before the natural affinity for an earthly mother, father, brother, or sister. And there are too many Christians who allow unsaved family members to influence them away from their own faith when in fact it should be the other way around. So that's what Jesus was doing here. This, he, was, he was establishing a divine order. Now eventually, and with time, and actually with even some of his brothers, such as James, who wrote the book of James, right at the end of the New Testament, he did not become a believer in his own brother as the Messiah until after the resurrection. And it says, and he appeared unto Peter and unto James. And you know James is the the King James anglicized version of Jacob. His brother's name was Jacob, the same name from which Israel itself comes from, who had the 12 uh, tribes come from him. Isn't that amazing? Now, it begins in verse 22, Mark chapter three, to go on. It says, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder the, his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Uh, Jesus begins here teaching now about the kingdom. He has apparently just cast out demons out of someone. And his critics, the religious leaders, some of them, they cannot deny that he has just cast out a demon. <laughs> when, when this has happened, it's quite obvious. So they don't even try to deny that it happened, but they ascribe it to he did it by the devil, to the devil, and that's where it, because they could not accept. They started with the presupposition, he is not the Messiah, therefore, how do we explain this? <laughs> Rather than how did he do this and coming to the conclusion that he was in fact who he claimed to be and had the power he claimed to have. So at this point, the Gospel of Mark introduces a new word to us in these verses. He spoke to them, he called them together and he said, I wanna tell you a parable. 
A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A parable of Jesus is so powerful that when some of the religious leaders heard some of his parables, they became so enraged that they began to plot Jesus' death. That's far more than a, you know, a nice story with a spiritual meaning. There is something special, powerful, revelation about a parable that is divine. The question is asked, why did Jesus teach in parables? And the answer is very simple. Jesus used parables so that he could both reveal hidden, deep, spiritual, powerful, supernatural truths, but he could at the same time hide them from those who were not really motives of faith. And they didn't really want to learn. They didn't want to grow. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to humble themselves. In other words, if you're a careless listener, you think you kind of know everything, you'll hear these stories and you'll say, well, yeah, that's a simple story. You got some seeds and a guy throws it out and it happens on this and that soil. Okay, I get it, big deal. If you're careless, you get nothing out of it. You don't understand. But if you are a sincere listener and you are humble about it and you deeply desire to understand what does this mean, you see yourself and then you begin to ponder the parable, you confess uh, your rocky ground or your stubborn heart or your heart, the hardness of the ground of your heart, confess your ignorance and say, Lord, teach me, show me, break up the fallow ground. Then you begin to understand spiritual things and the seed is planted deep within your heart that affects you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and roots begin to grow within you that bear forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So let me say this as well then. When we come to church, every time you come to church, you decide on what level you're going to receive. The word of God will always uh, bear fruit and it will not return void. But there are all kinds of, of seeds and different kinds of hearts as we will later learn from the parables. And if all we do is come to sit and, and sometimes we want a theological lesson. It's very tempting for all human beings to want more knowledge and more information. But that doesn't necessarily bring transformation. There must come, Lord, I wanna see. Okay, you've grabbed my attention with your word, but now, Lord, let me see, let, let me hear, let me feel what you are saying to me personally. Come humbly. That's why the book of Proverbs talks about wisdom is humility, and humility is having a teachable spirit. Are you ready to learn something about yourself? and an area that, that the Lord can go deeper inside of you and say, yes, Lord, I wanna learn, I wanna grow. Are you ready for that? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them. Thank you, Pastor Ray, for allowing God to use you in a mighty way. We are all blessed because of it. Your legacy in Christ lives on through your ministry and your family. We love you so much. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Jesus places a great deal of importance to hearing the word of the Lord. In the next chapter, Mark will use the word hear in one form or another some 13 times. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. And he is not just talking about physically hearing. It's not the accumulation of how many Bible studies I've heard that determines my spirituality. But it means listening with spiritual discernment. Mentioning earlier James, the half-brother of our Lord, he now has a quote here from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. I wonder if James, you ever think about this? After, you know, Jesus is risen, he, he sees Jesus is the Messiah, he believes, and then Jesus is gone. I wonder if he thought, wow, if I would have only believed, if I would only have listened when he was here in the flesh and with me. And, and I wonder if he ever thought about that, but he did have a lot to say about listening. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. Let's read this out loud from your notes. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So don't just desire to grow in knowledge, but Lord, how can I obey you? <laughs> and fall in love with doing the will of the Lord, amen? Fall in love with doing his heart and his will and his way and what he puts before us and being obedient when you enjoy obedience to the Lord. Not just, you know, it's not in a slave master relationship, it's as a son with a father who's teaching me and training me and preparing me to inherit the kingdom and his glory, hallelujah. So now in this parable, back to what Jesus has been teaching. Look what he says here. In verse 23, he called himself to them and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Jesus is saying that he has come and taken out the strong man of the house. Beelzebub is the name of the devil and it means the master of the house. And the truth is that Satan, who had whatever man that Jesus delivered from demons, Satan had that man wrapped up and he had him you know, under guard and was watching over him, protecting him. The last thing Satan wanted to do was to give up territory and give up ground. He wanted to keep that guy demon-possessed and controlled. The very fact that Jesus came against the will and the wishes of the devil and delivered the man and set the man free proved that he was stronger than the strong men in the house. And therefore Jesus was saying, I have come to destroy the works of the devil, to cast him out, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. Now, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, let me tell you this. The devil is, does not even flicker with, 
with an ounce of fear and trembling when he sees you. <laughs> but Jesus, fear and trembling. He has been destroyed, his works destroyed and dethroned, and the strong man has been taken out 2,000 years ago. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You and I, therefore, do not have to fear because of how you know, spiritual we are. We don't have to say, oh no, I, I have to get, you know, I have to do more devotions and I have to get all spiritually built up. The truth is that Christ in you is more powerful than the devil in the name of Jesus, being a son of God, a daughter of God, claiming your inheritance in Christ Jesus. He has no authority over your life, period, forever. You can stand in the grace and in the righteousness by the blood of Jesus. You stand in him. And so Jesus takes their accusation, throws it on its head, and said, look, the, the last thing the devil wanted to do was to give up one person, not one ounce of ground, not one soul. I came and threw him out because I'm stronger than him. And he shows them that their theology was upside down and that it was backwards. Now, verses 28 through 30, and we'll close with these verses. A very controversial place here in the Bible called the unpardonable sin. And so I want you to hear this. I'll be as clear and simple and direct as I can, as many people worry about it. Verse 28, assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. What is the only unforgivable sin and what is Jesus talking about here? Well, the first thing is he's responding to those who have just said, you didn't have the power to cast out devils by God. You did it because you're in league with the devil and by the devil, you cast out the devil. They're accusing Jesus of performing something under the power and authority and in cooperation with the devil himself. And Jesus draws a red line. You know what a red line is? Don't cross this line. He draws a red line and says, you know, sins against the father, against the son. He goes, but you are, you are entering a territory that is unforgivable, unpardonable. Our words, Jesus is saying, be careful with your words because they reveal our hearts. Um, we say talk is cheap, but in reality, talk can be very, very costly. Matthew 12, verse 35 are Jesus' words. Let's read that out loud. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. Now I want to give you two possible uh, interpretations of this. There, there is one that says this particular sin was, was peculiar to that generation for this reason. I mean, <laughs> it's the only generation so far, because the second coming hasn't happened, where God was manifest in the flesh on the earth. There's no other generation that had Jesus except the one in which he lived. Are you with me on that? So God the Father had sent John the Baptist to bear witness that Jesus was the Messiah and that we were to believe in him and follow him. And there were many who rejected John the Baptist and by rejecting the message of John the Baptist who said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, by rejecting John, they were rejecting the Father who sent John to bear witness. But Jesus says, but that can be forgiven. And then 
After the Father's witness through John the Baptist, Jesus came and he is with them now. And he is witnessing to them that I have come, I and my Father are one, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. And eventually they will reject him as well. And Jesus will be crucified. But he says, but even that can be forgiven. But there will come a day after even Jesus' witness that another third witness will come, the Holy Spirit, who came on the day of Pentecost and who witnessed again. We thought Jesus was dead, but now they're preaching his name and miracles and signs and wonders and healings and devils being cast out and and all the rest of it was happening again as if Jesus were alive because the Holy Spirit had now come inside of the church and was doing the very same works as Jesus did with the very same message. And then the idea here that if you reject the Holy Spirit, now you've rejected the Father and rejected the Son and rejected the message of the Holy Spirit, what what else is there? There is no more. God has sent his witness and, and so, That's one uh, interpretation that I've read that some say, well, that was a a unique thing perhaps to that generation. But another bigger, broader sense, which is to me the more important uh, to maybe grasp and understand of the two is this. Ultimately, there's only one unforgivable sin. Every human sin can be forgiven except for this one. That if you live your whole life and when you die, it is appointed unto man once to die, And then the judgment, if you don't receive and believe at some point in Jesus Christ, there is no, you know, God has done everything and he has sent his son and he gave uh, his life for you. And and after that, that's it. Rejecting Jesus and then going to your death, rejecting Jesus. There's no more chances after that. There are millions of chances before we die. But then after we die, there are no chances. There's no coming back again and again and again or going around uh, another time. It is appointed unto man once to die and then comes the judgment. So accept him, believe in him, receive him now. And uh, so the only sin that I believe is unforgivable is rejecting Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I wanna leave uh, or close reading John chapter three, verses 16 through 19. Let's read this out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with insight on the unpardonable sin and how forgiveness is available through the sacrifice of Christ. And if you'd like to know more about what it means to be a Christian, go to raybentley.com and click the word about. Pastor Ray has some important information for you. Now today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled Spiritual Training. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media 
and you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.